Open your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 11. This is not where I'm preaching from, but I just wanted to share a thought and, and uh, try to encourage a little bit today. And, you know, we've think of the Boonsters losing a mom and a mother-in-law and a grandma. And uh, another that I ran into in the hallway that was having a rough day with grief. I just want to remind you, Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and listen, and I will give you rest. We must come. We must come. So many times, as uh, probably this is more of a man thing than it is a lady, we, we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to admit that we're weak. There's times that we need the added strength of the Lord. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. His strengthening power is one of the hallmarks of Christianity, to know that we can do nothing without Him. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. But we must come. The Bible says, seek the Lord while He may be found. Over and over again, the Bible says, whosoever will may come. Come unto me, all ye the labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But we must come to him. We must seek him out. Our Lord is such a gentleman. He doesn't push his way in. He doesn't impose himself upon us. His comforting spirit, if you're a child of God, is indwelling you today, and he's always there, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But when you needed that added help, that added comfort, you must come to him and seek him out. Then he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and... Learn of me. Learn of me. I think we've been doing that a little bit more this morning, haven't we? When we've been singing of him, we've been learning of him. A lot of great Bible truths in these hymns that we've been singing remind us that he will hold me fast. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. But that's, that's not all. That's just a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm the purchase of blood. Born of his spirit and washed in his blood. Come unto me, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And look what it says ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just want to encourage you today in the Lord, if you are carrying that heavy burden, come. And, and it's just, you ever wondered about that? Take my yoke upon you. That doesn't sound like an easy burden when you take on a yoke. But think about this. Jesus said, take my yoke. That means he's in the yoke too. And when Jesus gets in that yoke with you and you put your burden in the back of that wagon, who does all the pulling? Jesus does. You just walk alongside him. Just keep up. Just move along with every step he takes and he'll bear all the burden for you. Because he says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 24 today. Daniel, could you come to the piano for a minute, please? Psalm chapter 24. And um, the Lord led me to preach from this passage of Scripture today. And uh, as I was looking it over this morning and praying this morning, um, the one phrase right at the end, the King of glory... Who is this king of glory? Is the question that the psalmist asks. And it reminded me of a, a Christmas song or a hymn that, 
that we sing at Christmas time. And I actually just, we just heard it last week at the Northeast Vision Summit. And our, I guess that's a week and a half ago now, we heard a, a group sing it as an acapella. And, and I realized it's really not a Christmas song, just the very first line, who is he in yonder stall? That's the only thing that, that talks of Christmas. The rest of it talks about the King of Glory. So it just starts at his birth and it goes to his return. But I thought it went so well with the message this morning, I thought we'd sing it together. It's number 92, Daniel, I'm sorry. Number 92 in the, here, you can have mine. Brother Judge, can you pull the words up for that? Who is he in yonder stall? It's number 92. Do you have one? All right. And so we're going to sing this. It goes so well with the thought of the, the Scripture today. And I think the Lord would have me just kind of work through some points very quickly and then dwell on that last thing. Who is he, the King of glory? And so once we have the words, we'll go ahead. I already did that once. All right. Let's sing this morning. Who is he in yonder stall?
good singing. Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24. Brother Calvin, can you grab me some water, please? Is he? I thought I saw him right there. Oh, there he goes. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. Psalm chapter 24. You have sang really well today. What a blessing to hear all the voices. And a lot of people were away last week, more back today. And, and uh, one of, one of, that's why we just kept singing. Amen. We'll just, you say, well, I don't, I don't know about that. We're going to do that for all eternity. All eternity. And I don't think your voice will ever get tired. And I don't think the Lord will ever get tired of being worshipped. And you won't ever get tired of worshipping Him. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful day that will be when we bow at His throne. I want to thank you for praying for our son. Uh, he's still in the hospital this hour. Did you hear anything this morning? Not yet. Okay. And so um, as of Friday night, his wife said his tonsils are looking a little bit better. Starting to see a breakthrough. And then on uh, yesterday, he was able to drink a little broth. And so that's the first step. He's, uh, I, I might as well just go ahead and everybody's asking me and it's just easier to tell you all at once. All right. So, uh, they've kind of traced backwards what has happened. Uh, he's got a perfect storm going on in his body with this infection. He just can't fight it off. And so about a month ago, he had a kind of an outpatient procedure and he required a, uh, they gave him an antibiotic, which he really didn't need. And so we live close to hospitals. When you live close to a hospital, if you get sick, you go to the hospital, you get your antibiotic, and you go home. But out there, he lives so far from a hospital, they give you antibiotics as a precaution. And so he took the antibiotics, and every once in a while, people don't react well, and it caused his immune system said, okay, the antibiotics are fighting, we can take the month off. And so his immune system went down. And then about two weeks ago now, um, my son's a police officer. Uh, he and his another fellow arrested a lady that was high on methamphetamines and she spit in his face. And he says, that happens. Didn't even think about it. You wipe it off and keep going. And, but she had mono. And so he got mono and then his spleen enlarged. And your spleen helps you fight infections and things. And so then he got strep throat and uh, strep throat with a low immune system and the spleen enlarged, it just took over and it causes throat to swell shut and all the rest. And he was taken to the hospital a couple times. And, uh, but because of the reaction to antibiotics, they were hesitant to give him antibiotics. And so for all this week, he hadn't been on antibiotics. And finally on Thursday, they said, we'll have to try it and hope it works. And it has been starting to work. And so praise the Lord for that. Also pray they traced back to this lady and uh, she also has hepatitis C, so they're testing him for that and checking his liver. So it's, uh, it's just kind of it was a perfect storm that all happened at once. You know, you can handle one of those things at a time, but it all came and he just can't fight it. So uh, we appreciate your prayers. He's lost 18 pounds in a week, and, uh, but he's starting to sip broth. He's not happy about that. Uh, 24-year-old young guy wants a cheeseburger, but he can't swallow it yet. So I appreciate if you continue to pray. It's going to be a little bit while longer uh, before he gets back to full health. And so we thank you for that. Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24. And uh, I, I, like I said a moment ago, I believe the Lord would just have me move through the opening verses here and give you kind of an outline quickly. And then we'll settle on the very last part of this chapter. So let's read it in full. It's only 10 verses, so it won't uh, be very taxing to read it all at once. Let's read it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. 
He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? I believe that hymn we just sang is based on that verse. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory, Selah. Our Father, we love you, and we do thank you and praise you for all you've already done in our hearts and in our midst today. Lord, I believe you're here with us. And Lord, it's been such a blessing to sing your praises, and Lord, to receive the assurance of your comforting Holy Spirit today. Lord, as we turn to the Word of God for the next few moments, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and help us move in our midst. Remind us that as the psalmist writes, who is this King of glory? I pray that you reveal to us who you are. Show us your glory today and your might and your power. Father, I surrender to you and I need your help desperately. I ask that you'd fill me. Lord, may the Spirit of God teach and help each one. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go back to verse 1 with me in Psalm chapter 24. We notice how the psalmist writes, of course, it's King David <coughs> that is writing this psalm. And the Bible says a verse that we're all very familiar with, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That is not the first time we see that in Scripture. It's repeated throughout the Word of God that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And friends, I'm going to be honest with you. If we look around our world today, it's very hard to see the fingerprints of God, isn't it? Because our eyes tend towards the sin and the turmoil that is taking place in our, in our world today. If we were to turn on the news this afternoon, you'll know exactly what I mean. But the truth is, is if we would just step outside these doors and behold the glory of the Lord in creation... We can see all that his hand has created. We see the wonder of a newborn baby that is in our midst today. And, and we think about the glory of God in, in his creation and God's people. We think of salvation that has been sent through Jesus Christ. And we can easily, as God's people, see the glory of God. But that is not so in most of the world. Notice what the Bible says. And I want you to focus in on just three things quickly today. And we'll focus more on the last. But notice, first of all, we see a message from God. The message is this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Do you know that everything belongs to God? Everything. He said, well, I, I, you know, so I, I really struggle in, in giving an offering. That's God's. Everything you have is already his. He lets you keep a portion. We, 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 if we would consider that our homes belong to God and the job that he has given us is really a, on loan from God and the children that are entrusted in our care are the blessings and the heritage of the Lord that God has given us, maybe we would treat them very differently. But uh, notice the message from God today. It, it, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I want you to notice, first of all, we see a reminder of his authority. Well, I think the world needs to be reminded of his authority. One day, and I don't believe it'll be long, we're going to hear a trumpet. We're going to hear the voice of God, the voice of the archangel, the sound of many waters, as the voices of all of heaven cry out, as God says, son, go and get your bride. 
And as we are caught up to meet him in the air and Jesus himself steps out on that cloud and looks down upon the earth and every eye shall see him. Oh, friend, they'll be reminded then of his authority. For the next seven years, it will be literally hell on earth. As the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast begin their reign of terror. But then Jesus Christ will return in power and in glory. I, I wish, honestly, the world could remember his authority today. It's too bad they're going to have to wait for that wake-up call. But the earth is the Lord's. Make no mistake about it. We have lost, you know that the, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God gave dominion over everything to Adam and Eve, but they lost it. They sinned, and now Satan is the prince in the power of the air. But Jesus Christ is still in charge. God is still in control. And we must be reminded of his authority and that everything we do, understand this, even though we were lost to sin, we need to understand this, we were bought with a price. And therefore, we must glorify God with our body and our spirit, which are the Lord's. We belong to him. There's a reminder of his authority. We see it in his planet and we see it in his people. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness are of the world and they that dwell therein. Some people say, well, everybody, you know, I just believe everybody's a child of God. They may not be a child of God, not biblically speaking, but they are a creation of God. They belong to him, even if they're not saved. We are still, listen, he said, how can you say that? Somebody that's lost and out in sin and, and not living for the Lord, because the Bible says this, one day every knee will bow. Every day, one day, everybody will recognize his authority. And they'll cry out, Lord, Lord. And some he will never have known. We see a reminder of his authority. Listen, don't ever forget, child of God, don't you ever forget who you belong to. You know, I, I, I appreciate in humility somebody saying, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. But I want you to know this also. You're also a child of the king. You're a prince or a princess in the court of the royal king of kings and lord of lords. That's who God has made you to be. So we see a reminder of his authority, but I want you to notice, secondly, uh, in, in this verse 1 and 2, we see a reminder of his abilities. A reminder, look at verse 2. For he hath founded it, the world, upon the seas and established it upon the floods. I, I read that through a couple times and I thought, what are you trying to say, Lord? And I realized how difficult that is. He is a marvelous creator and we have a miraculous creation as a result. Can, I, how many of you ever went to the beach when you were kids? Raise your hand. Some of you did? Did you ever try to build a sandcastle? How many of you got frustrated because when the water, the tide started coming in, your sandcastle started getting destroyed? Do you know how hard it is to build all this dirt that we stand upon, upon the seas and upon the floods? But God did. Think about that. I, I remember as a kid, you'd dig a hole in the beach and then the water would fill it all back in. That's where God says, the Bible says, it's, it's in Psalm chapter 24, it's like God saying, I just, I just want to show you what I can do. I'm not building this on concrete or a firm foundation. I'm going to build it upon the floods and upon the seas. He's a miraculous creation. He's a marvelous creator. And we need to understand that everything that is was created by God. 
and was created, by the way, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, it was created for his pleasure. It belongs to him. It was created for him. And how dare we to face what God has done? We see a reminder of his authority. We see a reminder of his abilities. But I want you to notice, secondly, we see this message from God. But notice, secondly, in verse 3, a meeting with God. A meeting with God. Do you understand this? The world is described to us in Romans chapter 1. They will worship the creation over the creator. Isn't that what we do today? I, I, I think a lot of people have said this, and I, I don't disagree with them, that every sin can be traced back to pride, and, and, and absolutely pride. But what we are saying is, I am puffed up with myself, and I will worship me rather than him. So I can behave however I want. If I'm a male, I can marry a male. That's worshiping the creation instead of the creator. You're saying, I will eat, drink, and be merry. I will do whatever's right in my own eyes. Because we don't recognize the creator as having authority in our lives. God has given his son as a ransom for this world to pay the price for that wicked sin. But those that still walk in sin, uh, they're missing the mark and understanding that they're worshiping themselves. It's called hedonism. But notice this. Those that recognize his authority and truly know who God is, here's the next thing David says, they want to meet with God. They want to know him. Hey, listen, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in one of those services where God stirred in your heart in such a way and you walk out that door and tears are coming down your face? You say, oh boy, I, I, I want to always feel like this. I never want to lose his presence. I want to know what it's like to walk closely with him. And God has stirred your heart. You ever opened up your Bible and read a passage of scripture and God stirred you in such a way and your pages became tear stained and you just get up from your Bible reading and say, God, I felt so close to you. I never want to lose that. Oh, you spent some time in prayer and you come out of that prayer closet and God was so real and you say oh I never want to lose that the psalmist is saying to us in these next few verses hey if you find out who God really is and you spend some time with him you'll never want to lose him look what he says in Psalm chapter 3 Psalm chapter 3 we see a, a meeting with God he says who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. We see that there's a group of people that are trying to ascend the hill of God. There are those who are trying to stand in that holy place. They, they want to know God. Are you one of those today? If somehow we could walk out these doors and I could point you to a mountain... And say, right over there is the hill of God. If you were to climb to the top of that mountain, you would be very in the very presence of God. You might hear God say, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. Would you go? Would you clamor to be there? Would you try to get into his presence? That's what this psalmist is writing about here. Who will ascend the holy hill? So we see that it's a remnant audience. This is not everybody that desires that kind of relationship with God, unfortunately. 
There are some that are just happy kind of going through life. I'm saved. I'm happy where I'm at. I, I've grown to a certain point and I know my Bible a little bit and I can win a sword drill here and there. Here and there. But I'm not interested in weeping over the lost and having a deep relationship with God that, that can wake me from the sleep in the middle of the night and stir my heart and soul. See, those are the remnant that want to climb the holy hill. They're the ones that want to get in touch with God. And so we see a question, first of all, about this remnant audience. Who are they? Who is he? Who is he that will ascend? Verse 4 gives us the qualifications. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. You know what I know about all those things? Here's what I know. My hands are dirty. My heart is not pure. Have I lifted up my soul to vanity? No doubt. Have I sworn deceitfully? Probably all of us have. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, none of us are made fit. But his blood hath cleansed us from all unrighteousness. If you know Jesus, here's the thing. If you know Jesus today, I'm not talking about you can say his name. I'm not talking about you can turn to the Gospels and read about him. I'm talking about you have a relationship with him because you have trusted him as your Savior. You believe with all your heart he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you can't go to heaven any other way but through Jesus. And so you have surrendered your will completely to his, and you are trusting him to save you and wash you in his blood. Nobody else died for you. No church ever died for you. Only Jesus did. The church didn't die for you. Jesus died for the church. That's what the Bible says. And I'm saying today that every last one of you today that know Jesus Christ, you can climb that holy hill. He said, oh, but my hands are not pure. Nobody's are until they're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. My heart is not right. No, but praise God, when you got saved, he gave you a new heart. He said, my mind. Oh, no, no. Paul says we can have the mind of Christ. It's about having a change take place in your life. He said, I want to be part of that remnant. I want to be a part of that group that, that's climbing that hill. When David asked, who is he that will send to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? And David says, here's the qualifications that answer that question. It's he with a clean hands and a pure heart. And he says, and not sworn to see. I, I want that, those people. Those are the ones that are welcoming God's presence. Well, bless God, we all fall short. Yes, but by the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled. Do you know him? We see a remnant a remnant group, a remnant audience. But notice, secondly, there's a realized abundance. You see, what happens when I get into that group? What happens when I climb that holy hill? Look what it says in verse 5. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. They say, well, does it mean I'm going to get a new car? Don't know. Does it mean I'm going to be able to pay off my mortgage? I don't know. I have no idea. Because here's what I know. The blessings of the Lord don't fit into your little box. 
They're usually way better. Remember what he said in 2 Corinthians 8? Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down and shaken and then what? Overflowing. Malachi chapter 3, he talks about tithing. And he says, See, if God will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that you have not room enough to receive it. So yeah, you can get your new car if you want. I want the blessings of God. You can have some money given to you, and that might be a blessing. But I want the blessings of God. He said, name I can't name them. Because if I counted all my blessings today, we'd be here forever. But God has been so good. I like that song. I think Pastor Walsh used to sing it, and then Judy sings it now. And God's been good in my life. And he talks, starts talking about all these blessings. In the last verse, I, I think it's a verse of the chorus says, so there's no better way to say it than about this. God's been good. You can't count all those blessings. He says, I will bless you. Notice, notice what he says, verse 5. He who shall receive the blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You know what that is? When you're made righteous, it's because you've been washed by the blood of Christ and you're saved. You can't stand before God in your own righteousness because all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. So we have the blessings of God's hand and the blessing of salvation. I put it this way, it's things that we receive from God and righteousness of God as a result of meeting with God. Now look at, he says, who can ascend to the hills and who can go? He that hath the clean hands, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And look at the declaration in verse six. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. You know, this declaration is for those that have been with the Lord. Understand what David is saying. He is picturing in his mind a group, a remnant that is trying to climb that holy hill. They have pure hands and a pure heart. And they've done all those qualifications that we see in verse 4. And so they start climbing that holy hill and they meet with God. And when they meet with God, they receive the blessing of God and the righteousness of God. And then they come down from that hill and said, I will seek the Lord. I never will turn back again. What a wonderful thing to be in God's presence. And so I will continually seek his face. I want to be in his presence. I want to know him. And then he says this, oh, Jacob. Jacob, of course, is a reference to Israel. But I think it has more meaning than that. I believe it's referring back to the man, Jacob, who for a night grabbed onto the angel of the Lord I said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm going to hold on. If I'm in your presence, I'm going to wrestle to the break of day. He walked with a limp the rest of his life. As God touched the hollow of his thigh and dislocated his leg. The Bible says he halted upon his thigh the rest of his life. Maybe some of us should limp. Maybe us, some of us need to Ascend that holy hill to the point where we say we're going to grab onto God and never let go. Because even though he limped, the psalmist says all those that have gone up to that holy hill, they're going to declare this, 
we are the generation that seeks God. We're not going to look for anything else anymore. Nothing can satisfy my soul. Nothing will satisfy my flesh. Nothing can take the place of being in the presence of God, and so I will seek him. Can you declare that today? Can you muster up enough faith to say, I I need to put away everything else and just seek him and seek him? So we see the message of God. We see the second part of meeting with God. And notice the last part of this chapter, verse 7. I want you to notice the majesty of God. The psalmist wrote these as songs to be sung, hymns, if you will. And so he repeats himself. Some people say, I don't like songs that repeat. Well, David did. And he says this in verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. I want you to notice one of the great mysteries of the Bible. That God desires to dwell with man. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the mystery of the Bible, revealed in the New Testament. But it's always been the case. God has always wanted, he dwelt with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the cool of the garden and talked with them. God has always desired, so he built a tabernacle among his people and later a temple where God would descend and meet with his people. It has always been God's desire, and now he dwells us spiritually as he has indwelt each believer. But one day, the Bible says, the King of kings and Lord of lords will return and sit upon his throne, and we will worship him as the King of glory for all eternity. But notice some things here today. Notice, first of all, a sincere desire. God will one day, we understand this is a messianic prophecy, One day he will enter into his city and he will become the king of kings and lord of lords as he sit down on that throne. But there's some spiritual principles here that we must notice as well. First of all, he is someone we must seek. Notice what it says in verse 7. It says this. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Verse 9 repeats, lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. It is a reminder to us that we are everlasting souls. You will live somewhere forever, heaven or hell. Now, picture this with me. The psalmist has just got through talking about these who will ascend the holy hills. So they're climbing. They've got clean hands. They've got a pure heart. So they're going up this hill. And they just can't believe it. I mean, their hearts, the closer they get to God, the fuller their hearts are. And they just keep climbing that hill. I love doing this to the live stream, guys. And they get up there and they, wow, the presence of God. Now, understand, I, I think it's figurative. I don't mean to say that the Bible is figurative. I believe it's absolutely true. But David's trying to say, he's talking about getting in the presence of God. 
Just climbing that hill and making sure your hands are clean and your heart is pure and you haven't sworn deceitfully in those things we read in verse 4. And, and, and so when that remnant returns, David looks back at the rest of the crowd and he goes, what about the rest of you? Will you lift up your gates and let them in? You have an everlasting door. You're going to live forever. Will you let them in? You see, this group up here, they're declaring now, I never want to leave his presence. We are the generation that will seek him. Notice, just keep looking to the cross. So David turns to the rest. He says, what about you? Will you lift up your gates? You see, a gate and a door is what keeps things out. Will you lift up your gates and your everlasting doors? Will you let him in? The question is the same to you today, friends. Some of you have been along this journey for a long time and you say, oh, I, I walk with the Lord. It's sweet. Read my Bible and pray and go to church. You know, what a wonderful time it is to spend in the presence of God. And you can say out loud today, I, I'll seek the presence of the Lord. Amen, preacher. That's, that's my life. I just want to keep seeking. Tomorrow I want to get up and I want to open my Bible. I want to seek him again. I want, to, I want to know his presence. There's some of you today are watching those folks. And God is saying to your heart, will you open up your gates? Will you open up your everlasting doors? Will you let them in? It's not some religion. It's not some self-help book. He tells us in verse 8 and 10 who it is. It's the king of glory. It's the king of glory. It's not some Buddha. It's not some idol. We read about a year ago that religion class at the University of New York, they sat around in a room full of plants and they started worshiping those plants and singing. Did you read about that? Singing to those plants. It was their theological seminary of their University of New York. They were singing to plants. No, no, no. When you open up your gates, the King of Glory comes in. The King of glory. The Lord of hosts is his name. It says in verse 10. These, these phrases that we read about this King of glory. Who is this King of glory? Look what it says, verse 8. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty. He said, I, I just can't cope in this world. You need the Lord who is mighty in battle. You need the Lord of hosts dwelling in your heart. There's a battle going on for your souls and you will not win it without Jesus Christ. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your daily spiritual walk. But you will not win it without the Lord of hosts. Without the Lord who is strong and mighty in battle. Will you open your gates? Will you open up your everlasting doors? Will you let him in? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Have you sought him? Have you received him? Revelation chapter 3. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will open the door and come in unto him. Have you received him? One day, the king will march triumphantly into his city. 
But before that, he wants to come into your heart. God wants to dwell with us. David says to the believer, have you ascended that holy hill? Are your hands clean? Is your heart pure? Because if you have, you will declare, I never want to leave his presence. I seek the Lord. Maybe there's one that say, Pastor, I've never opened up my heart to the Lord in the first place. I've never opened those gates. I've never opened those everlasting doors. We could help you today. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. <laughs> could we help you? There's some at the altar even now. If God has spoke to your heart, say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Step out and come down this aisle. Let us help you. I promise I won't embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. And if they're doing anything, they're praying for you. Maybe there's some believers that say, I need to start that climb. It starts with getting our hands clean and our hearts pure through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can draw close to him and have a relationship with him that will cause us to shout out, I never want to leave him again. I'm going to seek the Lord continually.